If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Our guest today is Sandra Atkins. Sandra is an all-round coach who loves hunting and eventing, as well as the individual aspects of the dressage, show jumping and the cross-country. She's also been a racehorse trainer and worked as a long time for, as clerk of the course for race for galloping. How are you, Sandra? Oh, I'm well, thank you. Good, good. Now, Sandra, I know you've written and you've sent me a lot of information, but a favourite quote, have you got one? Because if you haven't got one, I've got one that you've actually sent me. <laughs> yeah, the main one is from Franz Moringa's book, The Name. Horses were made to be horses. <laughs> when I see people spoiling their horses and treating them like kids, uh, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They think like horses, they are horses, and yes, they are yeah. made to be horses. Yeah. And they're not machines to be done over and over and over the same jump till we get it perfect. Yeah. Because by then they're sick of it and it's not perfect anymore and they've got to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> the other one that you did have was a fit body and fit mind keeps you well. Oh, and I think did that's, I say that? Mm, you did, <laughs> you did. But I think you were really talking about your, uh, you know, your working and your riding with horses you know, keeping the horse fit, keeping yourself fit, and that uh, keeps yep. your mind fit so it keeps you well. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of a cross country, your mind is still working, thinking, mm, mm, mm. and not just flopping along, worn out. Yeah. Okay. That's when accidents happen. <laughs> yes, yeah. Now, Sandra, think about when you very first started with horses. Do you have a very first memory of horses? Well, my really first memory is watching an elderly lady ride her lovely big horse down the road past my house. I would have been, well, I don't know, 10, maybe a bit younger. I'd hear her click-clop coming down the bitumen and just go to the front fence and stand and watch her ride past, just walking. Yep. She never, I suppose she looked at me, but she never waved, she never smiled, she didn't, didn't do anything. I just stood there and watched her go past. And when I started hunting a few years later, you know, no, 10, 12 years later, yep. she remembered me standing there. Wow, wow. And I had lots of years to talk and chat to her and I used to take her out on drives when she was in a, the nursing home and, yeah, she became a lifelong friend and she was a lovely person, Dorothy Dell. She was the patron of the Northern Hunt Club for years. She was known as Auntie Doff and all the kids just loved her. Yeah. Yeah. She must have ridden down often. Did she ride down every day or fairly often? No, fairly often. A couple yep. of times a week, maybe. I don't even know where she was going. Okay. Yeah, she was probably yeah working the horse, and obviously she might have been going down to the showgrounds because yes. they were close, the Elfin mm. showgrounds. I don't know. Okay. I never asked her where she was going. Yeah. And I know now there were people close by where I could have had a pony adjusted, but I didn't <laughs> know any horse people. Yes. 
And mum said, you can't have the horse in a pony in the backyard. My grandfather bred Shetland ponies down in Hobart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mum's father. Yep. But I never got taken to the farm because I was a girl. Girls okay. didn't go out to the farm. My brother did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny, yeah. Because you sort of went from there and went on to do, you know, hunting and 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 road and everything else. So were you always did you always think then from having that elderly lady ride down that you always wanted to do something with horses or I always loved horses. Mm-hmm. I had horses written on every drawn on every book. I had drawings on everything. <laughs> Mum gave me a horse book for the birthday and Christmas because I didn't want jewellery. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I was always horse mad, absolutely okay. horse mad, and frustrated because I couldn't. Uh, we became friends through Dad's work, the agronomist uh, uh-huh. department in agriculture, yep. and friends with people on the farm. And I grew up sort of. With, their daughter was about the same age as me, and I used to go out to her place. They moved out to Cressy, and I went out on school holidays when I was a teenager yeah. and that week of the school holidays was just heaven okay. we rode the two stock ponies and uh, we rode the tail off them. <laughs> and that's where I learnt to ride yes. you know, yeah, I thought I yeah. could ride you know, how little young kids think they can ride <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when I got married I, I rode a friend's horse until my father-in-law gave me a horse for my 21st birthday oh, when I was eight and a half months pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. that was the off-the-track thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. And that started me into loving thoroughbreds. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. So for someone, just thinking about someone working in the horse industry, do they typically have to be that horse mad girl who's got horse pictures all over the books and horse pictures all over the world? I mean, you know, I had I had those. You know, and I, I talked to a lot of people that also had those. But do you think that helps? Do you think that helps them have the passion to work in the horse industry? Or yep. do you think that's just a fairy tale or they've got to have that both? I think it helps with the passion, definitely, and with the willingness to take it as it comes. I never had aims of being a champion or anything else, mm-hmm. never. Mm-hmm. It just like Topsy, things just grew. Uh, we got these horses off the track. We had the contacts after I started Clark of the course, but we were, you know, when I was training, we always had the contacts and we'd see someone was going to sack a horse and they looked like a not likely type. So we'd say, you know, can we have him? And mm, we got yeah. them for $50, $100, you know, that was a deer horse. Yep. And there was only two that we sacked mm-hmm. that were dangerous. Yep. Yep. And, you know, the, the rest just came to hand because we used to ride out through the bush next, uh, state forest next door to our farm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Owen was a great help. He'd ride them first and see what was wrong with them and, you know, then I'd take over the finer points. And <laughs> we both competed and it was just, yeah, I taught the horse dressage and Owen jumped on him and got through the test. He hated dressage. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he was a great hand with them and wouldn't stand any nonsense, but always fair. Okay. And, okay. you know, you have to be consistent and fair. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think then, you know, because you've had horses all your life, uh, not all your life, but, you know, since you got, for a long time. Yeah, for, for 50, over 50 years, yeah. Yeah, what do you think's the best thing about having horses and working with horses? 
Well, for young people, they haven't got time to become vandals. <laughs> They've always got something to do that's interesting and fun. Um, it's just it gives you something to look after and care for and get wonderful results. That okay. you and how many animals can you sit on and go? Across country, 30 kilometres an hour, jumping, jumps up to four foot. Now, what else? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing like it. You're on a high after a three-day event for a week. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't need drugs. It's just good hard work and good fun and, yeah, it, it's just great to be able to train an animal to work so hard for you and love every minute of it. Yeah, because you rode now at Gawler, Melbourne and Sydney, didn't you? Three-day events? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then getting horses fit for those events, being clerk of the course, did that help or were you not doing all at the same time? Yeah, it was all at the same time. Mm -hmm. I just only used him clerk of the course once. He was my top horse because he was so nervous. Yep. He couldn't understand going out race after race. <laughs> I had to give him a little bit of sedation because mm-hmm. it was just getting too much for him mentally. Was it? Yeah. And I used five event horses. One wasn't a full thoroughbred. The others all were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were all off the track. Retired yep. race <laughs> retired race yep. horses. Yep. I brought them out of retirement, <laughs> and we were taking them into the track for the young kids that were doing the apprenticeship in yes. track work and stable hands. Okay. And they all had to learn to ride and do track work. And we put them through the barriers after they'd been, you know, had a few weeks go on them mm-hmm. and they were capable of sitting on them. And we put the best rider on Gygus because he was the most nervous one. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to know how big his first stride was going to be. What what was it going to feel like? I said, look, just grab main, hands forward, and go with him. He'll take you. Mm-hmm. So they all jumped out and he flew out and they pulled him up when they could sort of mm. thing, which was fairly good. They were all well-educated. And she came back and she said, oh, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. Can we do it again? I said, no. If we do it again, we'll have an outlaw on our hands because he just wouldn't cope mentally. Yeah, yep, for you know, sure. You, you, for sure. There's some things you can do with some horses and some things you can't. And yep. you do things once and that's it. <laughs> and I think that's part of being a horse person too, isn't it? It's recognising the horses you can keep going with and the ones that have had enough for today and that'll do. And that'll do. Yeah. I yep. can't understand how the trainer that had him, uh, Gygus, when he was a young horse, at Mowbray, the, he lived at the racetrack, how he and the jockeys that rode him did not recognise he was so nervous. He wasn't naughty. He wasn't nasty. He was petrified. Mm. All he needed was a bit of TLC. Yep, yep, yep. The stud master who bred him, Tullatra, she ended up taking him back to the stud and trained him from the stud, and that's Mm -hmm. when he injured himself when he got to the races. As she pulled up into the car park with a float on behind, they started a race right next to the car park, Mm -hmm. and he just went off in the box and my husband happened to be working on the barriers there and he raced up this horse was flashing around and it was tall and he knew her and you know mm-hmm. they got the back down and the help came and they got him out oh he was a mess he was just 
in tatters. Mm-hmm. He had his back mm-hmm. legs over the centre divider and his front legs over the breast bar. And he was a mess and she had to get a truck to take him back to the stud and then she sort of got him on his feet there and then he went down to her father's place for oh, nine months or something. Mm-hmm. And Alan just happened to talk to her one day at the race, and what happened to that horse I helped you out of the float with? She said, Vigus? Oh, she said, don't talk about it. She said, no, he's down on the farm. He's running around, but she said he has no muscle on one side of his rump. And Oh, she said, would you like to try him and see if you can hunt him? Yeah. And Alan said, yeah, we'll give him a go. And that was the start of my best horse. <laughs> okay, and <laughs> did, the, did the muscles build back up? It yeah, all built good. back up, but good. when he got to be 15, arthritis started to catch up with him. Sure. And we were getting trouble with our vet checks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew how to warm him up and whatever, but Sydney was his last event. That was 84. Yep. I brought him home. They wanted to take him to LA as a spare horse, so they didn't want me. I only wanted him. Mm. Now, tell us about that, because you've gone and trained a horse for so long got it up to a level where you can ride. To the top level, in, yep. In the Olympics. It was at the Olympics, wasn't it? From Los Angeles Olympics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then someone says, well, your horse can go to the Olympics, but you can't. How did you feel? <laughs> I was devastated. Yeah. Bill Rowcroft came over because we knew Bill well and he had a chat to Alan and said, you know, they'd, they'd like Gigas to go as a team horse. And Alan took one look at me and I said, what do you mean? He said, it's a spare horse. I said, well, they don't want me. And he said, uh, no, no, they just want a spare team horse. How much do you want for him? And we said, well, how much have we got to put on him that they won't buy him? And he said, oh, oh look, I don't think that's been 50000 I said, well, that's his price. Yeah. And <laughs> we brought yeah. him home. Yeah. Yeah. And he hunted for two more years after that. He wouldn't have survived with another rider, anyone, no matter who it was. Yeah. To get to the Olympics sound, mm. because mm. I knew that's why well, I never really, uh, what you call, had fun riding him, mm. because he was being so nervous, it was there right through, the injuries he'd had, I was nursing him the whole time, not with drugs, just with care. Mm. Mm. And... You know, other people wouldn't have done that, uh, and he wouldn't. He'd have been put down over there, especially as a spare horse. You know, so it would have been. Yeah. It, it's a much better system now, where the partnership is selected, not the individual horse and separate ride. That's right. So much, yeah. much, much yeah. better. Yeah. 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 Now, what about people who've influenced you, Sandra? Who do you think has um, been instrumental in influencing you and helping you? Has there been anyone you'd like to mention? Oh, there's probably lots of people. The first school I went to was with Carl Jurinac, and I think he mm-hmm. was the first European instructor that the EFA then yep. brought out as Australian coach. Yep. And I had one lesson with him, and then the next year it must have been Franz Moringa came out. Yep. And he was coming over to Taz for a four-day school, and it was too expensive. We just didn't have the money. We were, you know, struggling on the farm. Prices were low. And then say uh, here and Taz said, right, we want people to raise money for the next Olympic team so that the horses can be brought home. 
<laughs> the person who raises the most money in Tasmania can have a four-day clinic with Fran Verinda. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was a good well, challenge for you. Yeah. yeah. I was training race horses and mm-hmm. Anne Graves, who lives here at Deloraine, she said to me, well, what say we ride up from Hobart and see if we can, you know, get some money. Yep. Um, so she took her to Galloway's that she invented and stock worked and whatever. I took two of my inventors and we drove down to Hobart and we rode up 120 miles in mm-hmm. three days. And the yep. hardest part was the last day we had to be in at Nobo races. It was race day. We planned that by three o'clock before the main race. And then we could okay. arrive at Nobo and ride up the straight and, you know, people could come and touch the horses and whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the last night, one of Anne's horses was a bit sore and the other one wasn't much better, but, he, you know, he would have made it, but not by three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, that meant we couldn't have a break at lunchtime. And my horse was okay, still going, but not keen to lead. No, 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 mm-hmm. I'm not going to lead. So I brought down one of the my fit race horses, and Anne rode him, and away they went, and that was on a solid. And we got into Launceston, and then we were on Bitchman, down through the street, right through okay. from one side of Launceston to the other. But we arrived at Mowbray just before the three o'clock race, and the money we raised on the road, they were throwing money out the window, the cars for us. We oh, isn't that brilliant? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we split the money that we'd raised with each personal sponsors, and I raised the most money, and I got my kidney. <laughs> oh, isn't that good? Isn't that good? Do you think that was your proudest moment, riding down the race course, raising that money, or you've got another one? No, no, no. That was just, we were thankful to get there. <laughs> we'd love it to be on grass. <laughs> no, my proudest moment, I think, was winning the National One Day Event Championships at Hawkesbury before Sydney, three-day mm-hmm. event with Geigers. Mm-hmm. It was so muddy, and he couldn't gallop in the mud on the racetrack, but he went round that course, and they, it was so wet they pulled the water jump out. It oh, was wow. just underwater. Yeah. <laughs> and the show jumped before the scores were up, thank goodness. He usually jumped clear, despite my worries, but, you know, he always did. He liked jumping clear. And then they came and told me I'd won. Did I have a clean pair of jotties <laughs> oh. <laughs> <to> the presentation? <laughs> wow, wow. And then... Taking kids over to Narracourt, yep. Party Club and Junior EFA National Championships. Ten years I took a team of kids over there, up to 16 one year, 14 or something one year. We had two trucks and two horse floats, and they were just so good and tried so hard. It was wonderful. But my last latest special moment, I suppose, when I was awarded the OAM on Australia Day. Mm. <laughs> But that, you know, that was just service to the horse industry. Yeah. And yeah. that meant a lot too. Yes. So, yes. yeah. I've been a very lucky person having all these things happen to me and, you know, headlines for this and headlines for that first woman doing this and all that sort of thing. Beverly Buckingham started race riding after I did the Hunt Club races. Yep. And yep. she fought for ages to be able to ride in the open races. And okay. I think I helped that way. So it was all good. It were, all things were meant to be. <laughs> and what do you think, you know, people that are facing challenges now? Because you've broken through a few. You know, you've broken through 
being a female, if someone said, you know, but females aren't allowed to do this, what would be your message to them if someone said, no, because I'm female, I'm not allowed to do that? Well, I think anyone who wants to do anything, not just to do with riding, anything, if you are passionate enough, you will work hard enough to become knowledgeable enough to get that job mm-hmm. and prove that you can do it. Yep. If you've got the knowledge and you can show what you've done and what you're capable of, they have to hire you these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, well, that's right, that's right. Yeah. They don't have to yeah. hire you because you're, you, but if you're the best person for the job, that's what you need to be. That's what you need yeah. to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you're passionate enough, you will spend the hours to get that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I worked hard to get to the Masters Games because yes. you know, I hadn't ridden for so long. I'd had so many joints and things and all replaced. And yep. I went to the gym to get fitter, mm-hmm. indoor rowing to get fitter, and it all helped with my riding. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it turned out great. So, yeah, work hard. And you'll get the reward. Now, where was that? The Australian Masters Games was down at Alveston in October. Okay. And how did you go there? I got three gold in the indoor rowing. Oh, good on you. Yep. In my yep. age group, over yep. 75. And yep. that was 500 metres, 1,000 metres and 2,000 metres. Yep. And I got two gold and two silver in the show jumping. Good on you. Yeah. In the four competitions. Yeah. Uh, gold yeah. in the six bar and the scurry, and I've always loved speed events. And I'm, I'm riding a, a brilliant horse at the moment that can be a real Wally when he wants to. That's his nickname. Wally, and I've got second, <laughs> yes, second in the two-phase jump and the 65-centimetre jump. So I'm only jumping mm-hmm. low now. Uh, I don't care. I'm yep. out there doing it. Yes. And yes. I'll do it as long as I can. <laughs> yep. No, that's good. That's really good. Now, Sandra, what about books? Have you got a book that you could recommend to our listeners? Oh, Horses Were Made to Be Horses by Franz Moringa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if that's your favourite saying, that's pretty good. Because you, you went to that, uh, you end up going to that four-day school with Franz. Did you spend any more time with him or just that four days? We didn't have a lot of um, just chat time. Mm-hmm. He had he I think he was doing five lessons a day and he was whisked away sort of at, at the evenings. We were just talking together. But I've had long chats with Bill Roycroft, Barry Roycroft, Lucinda Green. I had an evening with her and had a big discussion on her interval training books. And she said, there's no way I would do interval training if I only had two or three horses. But she said, I'm working between 12 and 20 horses at a time. And I've got them all written up about to do. I ride them all once a week and I can feel how they're going. So I up their work or don't, down their work, mm-hmm. whatever they need. And she said, I can grab a horse and go to an event or three horses and go to an event. And they're all yep. fit and I know exactly what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. That's why I wrote the book, she said. Yep, yep. And, yeah, there's been writers that have been absolutely follow it to the inch, you know. You do so many yeah. minutes this and so many minutes of that. And the chap I stayed with up at Sydney, Peter Byrne, he was just into using that. And I went out on his last gallop with him, with Gygus, mm-hmm. and 
he did a three-minute gallop at 600 metres a minute, and that was go Geige for oh, that's good, right, okay. And we walked for so many minutes, I forget how many, mm-hmm. not many. And away yep. he went again, and Geige mm-hmm. said, oh, we're going again, are we? Oh, okay. And halfway around that three minutes, he said, what are you doing, mother? And I said, yes, <laughs> what are we doing, Guy? Just come on, that's enough, mate. You've done enough. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I knew when to stop. Yeah. But yep. then we hadn't worked up through the program either. Mm-hmm. But Peter's horse tied up before the cross country and Gigas nearly did. But I know why Gigas did because he wouldn't eat his um, fee for that night, the night before. I gave him one good press of lucerne hay, just the smallest one I could find yep. because I couldn't find any meadow hay. Mm-hmm. And he scoffed at Lucerne and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And that gave him, well, nearly gave him as drear. And he went round the cross country with it. And he could not go flat out, but he knew the speed he needed to go, and he did that speed. We were exactly yep. on time. But mm-hmm. they gave me one-minute time penalties. I protested, but no, this bird from down Tasmania, no, we, she's got a minute time penalties, and that was it. So I was second. I should have won. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether some of the selectors and that knew that there was a problem there and, you know, I'd been badly treated or anything, but they knew what the horse had done. And yeah. the vet would check him before we started and he said, oh, I'll let you go. But he said, if he feels crook, you pull him up. I said, yes, of course I will. And the yeah. second jump, he stumbled when he landed. It was big parallel over one of the Sydney concrete ditches. Mm. And I thought, uh-oh, and he had to go uphill over a table and he just cantered up the hill and popped over the table. I thought, oh, okay, we'll do it a couple more and see how we go. And mm-hmm. heading down, well, he was jumped five or six. I said, okay, mate, let's go. And he said, uh-uh, this is all I've got. But it was the right speed. He just jumped everything. Yeah. And I waited and hung around when I'd finished for the vet to check him because I knew he'd want to. And nobody yep. came and nobody came and I'd got the saddle off him and I was walking him around. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to wait any longer. There's not fair on the horse. I've got to wash him. And yep. I headed back to the into the showgrounds to wash him. And I heard these footsteps running after me. And I thought, oh, don't say they want him back again. And, mm-hmm. they, and she said, oh, we just want to check him. I said, well, I've got to wash him. It's not fair on him. And she said, no, yes. it's all right. And I washed him. And mm-hmm. she could see him moving around. And he was fine. And I walked him for an hour around the showgrounds. He had a pee and it was red. And he just walked around, and then all of a sudden he saw himself in the window of one of the sideshow, you know, the alleys yep. they've got there, and he up went his head and he wicked. <sighs> he was fine. <laughs> just like that, yeah. And that was the closest I've got to him doing yep. everything yep. for me. <laughs> okay. Now, just thinking about what you're looking forward to at the moment, Sandra, you've got Wally. Are you taking him hunting? Uh, yes, I had a hunt on Saturday, but he's he's riding eighteen. He's been a whip horse. I don't know whether you know what that means at the hunt. He's up with the hounds. Oh yeah, with with a whip ring controlling the hounds, and he's done that for years and years. And he's had oh two or three years off hunting. And I brought him out of retirement, and I've taken him back. And he's very keen, and he won't relax at the checks. We have a check. Okay. We have a check every yep. kilometre and a half, two kilometres, and he won't relax. 
because he thinks he's there to do a job. Yes. If I can get him mentally to relax, I'll keep hunting him. If I can't, I won't be able to because he's just going to wear himself out and me. I just can't keep uh, – I can hold him when he's running, yep. but at the checks, he's when, when he gets a bit tired, he's reefing his head down to the ground, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. can't put up with that. Yep. He just won't stand yet. That was only his second hunt with me. The first hunt, mm-hmm. they didn't have hounds. Mm-hmm. It was an introduction to hunting to get people out together having a bomb along, yep. and he was fine. He was okay. looking for the hounds, but they weren't there, yep. so he yep. settled. But okay. if I can get him to settle, we'll have a lovely hunt season. If I can't, I just won't be able to because sure. Sure. I'm not going to kill myself or him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been too good a horse. Yep, yep. Okay. Sandra, tell us about your philosophy, just your overall philosophy with horses, just in a couple of sentences, just sort of to finish off so that people can look back and remember your philosophy about horses. Well, to have your horses fit enough to do what you want to do with them, mm-hmm. to have them educated enough to do what you want. If you want two days at something, have them fit enough to do two days, whatever. doesn't matter what discipline it is. Have them able to do what you're asking them to do and to do your homework so that you know what you're asking them to do. Cross country, walk your course properly, know your jumps. Don't forget to look at your numbers. Know exactly where you're going. That's your department. My Well, my other philosophy, I suppose, is to be able to ride a horse on your line at your speed, which was another friend's saying. Uh If you can do that, he said, you can go to the Olympics. Well, we nearly did, didn't we? (laughs) Yes, yes. But when you walk your course, whether it's cross-country or show jumping, to know where you're going to go steady, where you can move along a bit, how to ride the corner, where to Mm -hmm. send that horse, and then let him do the jumping. Don't tell him how to jump. He knows how to jump. Yeah. You yep. just keep him balanced in a good canter, whatever the speed you require across country, what you consider the jump needs to steady up or to keep rolling. Show mm-hmm. jumping. Keep a good show jumping canter. Tell him before he jumps where he's to go after the jump by looking. Mm-hmm. And don't fiddle with him coming in. He lines up a jump. Now, if I said to you, go and jump that foot-high log over there, run up, you know, run over there and jump it, would you start running and say, oh, I've got six more steps, five more steps? You know, you wouldn't, would you? No. You'd just run and jump over it. Mm-hmm. Well, we ask the horse, or some people ask the horse to go towards a jump and say, oh, well, hang on a minute, you're going to put three strides in here. Yeah. And Jeff Richards tried... For years to get me good at placing a horse, and I've done it until about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago when Mary Longdon mm-hmm. got onto me and said, no, you don't have to do that. You focus on the jump. You look where you want to go and don't look back at the jump. You just keep your leg on, keep your contact, keep that canter. Mm-hmm. An hour lesson later, he had not been wrong for any jump. He had not touched a jump, and it had been great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all yep. the pressure was off me. All I yep. had to do was keep him balanced, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he would jump. So yep. that's what I try to teach now. Okay. All right, now Sandra, how can people contact you? Oh, mobile or email. 
Okay. And we've got those details. We'll put them on your page at horsechats.com slash Sandra Atkins or just go to horsechats.com, search for Sandra or search for Atkins. Yeah. All right. Sandra, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I think, um, you know, enjoyed some of the the breakthroughs that you've made, you know, and so wrong that your horse is selected for the Olympics, but you're told to stay home. You know, I think that's that's um, certainly a bit rough and lucky things have changed. And, you know, I think we can all look back at some of the uh, the breakthroughs that you did and the riding that you did and uh, know that you've made it easier for the rest of us as you've, you know, you've sort of been the, the trailblazer on many occasions. So thank you for that. And um, hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Right. That'd be lovely. Thank you, Venus. You've been very kind to me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Sandra. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay, bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.